I have some really exciting news for listeners of the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Most people think lifestyle investing is about making more money or creating additional passive income streams. And while that is part of it, the most savvy lifestyle investors understand that having a solid tax strategy is fundamental and really foundational to creating wealth. I firmly believe that having the right tax strategy is the single best investment that you can make. I know tax strategy isn't the sexiest topic, but once you understand a few key elements to the IRS playbook, the compounding benefit you receive year after year is enormously significant. In fact, we have members inside the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind who have used these strategies and have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, millions of dollars. This is not a nice to have if you're interested in growing your wealth. This is a must. In our brand new tax strategy masterclass, I have hand-selected and shared the details of the 28 most valuable strategies to help you increase your tax savings this year and for years to come. Plus, if you want to hire a top-tier tax strategist, it can easily set you back tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And you want to make sure that you have the best, most accurate information to ensure that you're hiring the right person for you. That's why we included a whole section with advice, resources, and multiple interviews with my personal tax specialists to help you build a bulletproof tax team, but for a fraction of the cost. The entire tax strategy masterclass was designed for people like you who want to keep more of their hard-earned money without having to sift through the complicated tax code. If you're interested, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax to learn more about the course or set up a free consultation call with our team at lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Over the years, I've met a lot of hard-charging entrepreneurs who struggled to quiet their minds, leading to poor quality sleep and a decline in performance across all aspects of their lives. The relentless pursuit of success often takes a toll on their well-being, leaving them drained, overwhelmed, and unable to function at their best. I, too, have experienced issues sleeping. Ultimately, I ended up hiring Dr. Mita Singh to help me uncover what was leading to my restless nights and how to resolve them. Dr. Mita Singh is a psychiatrist specializing in sleep science who has served as a consultant for multiple NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA teams. 
She has also worked with large organizations, CEOs, and other C-suite executives, helping them achieve peak physical and mental performance day in and day out. In this episode, you'll learn why sleep optimization is a crucial factor to health, wellness, mental, and physical performance how poor sleep can sabotage your personal and professional relationships, holding you back from reaching your full potential, and the effect that food, caffeine, and alcohol have on your sleep, and simple strategies that you can model to make sure you can still enjoy these things without sacrificing sleep quality. That and a whole lot more. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Mita has something special for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. She's sharing her free report, The Power of Sleep and Mental Health Practices, which outlines the importance of quality sleep and the impact it can have in all areas of your life, including stress reduction, emotional regulation, problem solving, decision making, and so much more. To get access to this gift, visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash 145. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Dr. Mita Singh. Well, hi, Mita. It's so great to have you on the show. Excited to have you here. Justin, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. There's so much that we can talk about. There's so many cool things that you've been up to in your life, things that you've experienced. For those of you that are just listening and not watching, you're going to miss this incredible background that you have. And you've got signed footballs and signed baseballs and just all kinds of cool memorabilia because you've worked with a whole bunch of different pro sports teams, Olympic teams, Olympians, Mm -hmm. really doing some incredible stuff in the world, playing at the highest level. I mean, we're talking NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, Olympics, as I mentioned, but I think you had a really cool stint with the Washington Nationals that maybe holds a special place in your heart because while you were coaching them, if memory serves me correctly, you coached them during their run to win the The championship, the World Series, right? And and you helped them achieve their most impressive record on the road, which is generally the hardest to really help optimize. Right, right. And I'm actually really, I consider myself really lucky for being at the right time and the right place. And I have to tell you, like, United States is a wonderful place to be. When you work really, really hard, you can really achieve really good things if you meet the right people. And I think that I can I can attribute my success to surrounding myself with the right people. You know, kind of, I, I mean, I was introduced to, I did my fellowship at Henry Ford Health System. I did my training. So I'm medical background at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And I was in training here when the local team doctor for the local NFL team asked me to come help out. So, I mean, and, you know, there's, Justin, there's something called the Fort Knox effect in the world of professional sports, which means that 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 entry level, it's really high. It's difficult to get in. And so when somebody invites you in and then you do, you know, you try your level best to do good work, it's a small world. People, you know, move from one team to the other, from one field of sports to the other. And, and that's like, you know, it's all world, word of mouth. So, yeah, it's kind of fun. 
Oh, it's incredible what you've been able to build. And so it's also interesting because I'd love to talk about your journey from being at the Mayo Clinic to saying, hey, I actually want to go out on my own. I think I've got what it takes to be a business owner Mm -hmm. and kind of leave the comfort of the nest. I mean, it's all that you'd known. You had a good corporate gig going, right? You're by trade. You're a psychiatrist. Yes, I'm a psychiatrist um, and a sleep expert. And a sleep expert. Yes. Yes. And so you could have fallen back on that and just said, hey, I'm going to work in the most well-renowned hospitals in the world. But you said, hey, I I actually want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to go out on my own. I'd love to hear why you did that and and kind of like your path in doing so. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, so I've had the luck of training at the best place. Like Mayo Clinic is the best place to train. And I have to tell you, for, for sleep medicine, Henry Ford Health System is one of the best places to train, at least at the time that I was training there, because Dr. Thomas Roth, who's the who's like the grandfather of sleep medicine, he is one of the editors of the main book, was based at Henry Ford. And I did, you know, traditional healthcare and medicine and psychiatry for a while and developed this niche of working with professional sports. And so I built that sports and sleep program at the Henry Ford Health System. But, you know, what I wanted is is different. So in traditional medicine, Justin, people, especially in Western medicine, we wait for a disorder or an illness to happen. And then we go in and we treat that. But we don't have to, right? Like, you know, what we want is to start out with the healthy person and then work, you know, use advanced diagnostic, use ways to keep them healthy. You don't want to, them to get to when they're sick. So that, that model of taking care of when you're somebody's physician and the healthcare and it begins with the person doesn't exist in our traditional healthcare system. Yeah. And it was kind of scary to leave it. I'm sure. I'm sure. In all my life, all I had was a, you know, a salaried position, which is really easy, but I did have. When I first walked into that NFL team, I have to tell you, I did not grow up in this country. I do not know NFL. And I tell this story, and I've told this many times, that I went into the building. I had like a bunch of people ask me questions. And I remember I came back home, and I was telling my family that this guy asked me a question. And he's like, well, what was his name? I said his name was Matthew Stafford. And he said, oh, he's a quarterback. And I was like, what's a quarterback? (laughs) Like, I'm not scared or hesitant and about trying new things. So it wasn't it wasn't that much of a leap in that way, but it's a steep learning curve because when you are a physician, you've taken all these years to train and you you know what I'm really good at or at least I hope I'm good at is being a physician. It's the business part that's it takes a while to learn that. Yeah, there's no business classes. You don't nope. go to medical school to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Nope. You have to learn that on your own. It's like yes. it's trial by fire, right? Yep. It totally and is. yes, you get medically trained, mm-hmm. but those that end up growing the biggest practices are the ones that go to private practice and start their yes. own, right? Yes. So, and you can make the argument by default or by proxy that those are the individuals that that could or may have the most impact. I think all medical professionals have tremendous impact and do yes. amazing things. I think as you scale, you leave, you you start your own business, you scale that, the impact that you have uh, 
on a private practice stand front to the levels that you can scale it is vastly different than working inside of another system, right? Yes. So I, I think that's amazing and incredibly commendable because most of the doctors, most of the medical professionals I know mm-hmm. just don't have the the courage or don't have the the know-how, like maybe can't pull that trigger until they were to know more, but maybe aren't putting themselves in a place to know more. So I yes. think that's amazing you did do that. Now, I want to back up here for a second because there was something that you said, and I wanted to kind of dive a little deeper in it mm-hmm. because you said, hey, I'm so thankful to be in this country, to mm-hmm. be in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And what I want, you and I have talked about this before. Yes, we have. What would it look like if you never made it to the U.S.? What would it look like for you as an Indian woman with your opportunity to be a business owner had you never made it here? Well, so, I, you know, it's like it's difficult to kind of look back and say, well, if again, there's an Indian saying, which is like, you know, if my grandfather didn't have a mustache, he'd be my grandmother. But you know, there's no good way to look back at it. But and I have to say that the country that I come from, which is India. Again, I don't want to be disrespectful to many other countries. There is a lot of respect that's given to women. However, however, in this country, I think that in this country, when you work really, really hard, the chances that that you are going to be successful are really high. So Mm -hmm. in most other countries, working really hard doesn't always translate into success. And I'm really humbled by the fact. So I had this moment, I think it was 2017, perhaps 2016. I spoke, and I've spoken there multiple times. I spoke to the NFLPS, which is the Physician Society at the NFL Combine. And this was the medical doctors with the medical trainers. And I want to say, Justin, this was in the mid-afternoon. There were about four women in the audience. And there was me. There was wait staff and there were two women in the AV who were helping with audiovisual. And I really, you know, kind of looked around and said, like, I'm really grateful. You know, I'm come from a different country, have an accent, have worked really hard, but I'm giving this presentation to you know the elite physicians of this country. And so I think the better way for me to answer this question is to look at the success that I've so legitimate hard work, I received legitimate uh, rewards for it. That's amazing. And I know that in different, in other countries, I mean, when you look, you know, there's, there are roadblocks, there's like, and it's very difficult. I I think maybe Americans don't realize it. Like, you know, you have to, there are bribes to be paid. It's who you know and who you know what, and that's how people get places. I don't think that's how it works here. You know, I think you make sincere relationships and you give your level best and you get the best back. Yeah. Well, it's amazing that you've had this opportunity and you've been able to do such great things here and you've had tremendous impact. I I love it. And so the way that we met is I hired you as my sleep consultant Mm -hmm. and expert because I was having some issues sleeping. And, And for most of my life, I've been a pretty decent sleeper. I just go through phases where maybe it's not the case. And and sometimes it's maybe what's on your mind and what's going on and maybe stress plays a role. And this can be like family health issues, this could be business, this can be whatever. But I meet a lot of hard-charging entrepreneurs, both male and female, Mm -hmm. who 
really have a hard time shutting their mind down and really don't sleep well. And I think long-term that's really holding them back. And I think with learning how to sleep well through whatever's going on only opens up more opportunity and more potential. And so I remember hiring you and I remember thinking, okay, well, I need to optimize my sleep. I need to get better here. Mm -hmm. I'm probably not in as bad of shape as many of the people that hire you, but I saw room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And the first thing you had me do after a pretty intense or, or lengthy deep dive onboarding process, learning everything and anything about me, mm-hmm. is you had me tracking mm-hmm. my sleep yeah. with different questions. There's this worksheet that I would fill out every morning and every evening. Mm-hmm. And I got into this rhythm and habit of doing that. But I'd love to hear you talk about just the simplicity of that and the patterns that you see and just some simple solves mm-hmm. that you're able to figure out. Because for me, mine was easy. We yeah. figured it out through a pattern mm-hmm. in my sleep tracker. Yeah. And if I wasn't tracking, it's the whole saying, like what you measure you don't yeah. you can impact right, right. Uh, you have the ability to to move it and because i started tracking it we saw some patterns and we were able to make some moves to uh enhance or perfect or better my sleep right so first of all i have to say that justin you are highly disciplined and that may be not the norm that may be more extraordinary than ordinary but i think that when it comes to any habit i mean the fact that we need to sleep well we need to eat you know, healthy food. We need to exercise regularly. Unless you're living under a rock, you know what it is. But it's not what you have to do, but it is how you do it. And doing it on a regular basis, that is an issue. And that accountability, creating that accountability really helped because I think that for you, even filling out that sleep diary gave you a sense of control over what you were doing, allowed you to see a pattern. And like allowed you to say that, well, I think I may, you know, when I suggested maybe we need to make a few changes here and there, you were like, yeah, that makes complete sense because I see it, right? I mean, I don't need to tell you what to do. I really want to be your partner in this. And I want to, like, I want to take you along on the journey with me. And then we kind of both discover it together by we collect information in real time and then make any changes that, that we think that are necessary. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's almost like stepping back and saying, well, I want to let go of this. Like, I don't want to obsess too much about something because if you do, then it, then it's likely to be a problem. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah, it's fantastic. And the, and the partnership approach is wonderful because you're not telling me you got to do it this way. It's like, Hey, let's look at the chart. Let's look at the data and make a decision. And you see the patterns just like I see the patterns. So it's really neat. And and by the way, this is tracking anything from caffeine intake to alcohol intake to the time of day. Did you nap? Did you not nap? Did you eat food or drink alcohol within three hours of going to bed? How many hours did you sleep? Did you wake up in the night? I mean, just all kinds of different data points that I think is so valuable. And as entrepreneurs, a lot of us do this in our business. We we Mm -hmm. measure, we have these metrics and we measure all these things, but then often we don't do it in our personal lives for our health journey. Mm -hmm. That's part of why I love the aura ring where you're getting real-time data. Yeah. Yes, right. Total tool. Think of all of these as a tool on the tools that you need on your journey to feel better. You know, it's improvement in your health has to be small, continuous steps. And if you get back off track, 
you just have to kind of bring yourself back on track. Because, and again, in your case, Justin, I have to say, like, it was simple and you made my life e like uh, the job easier because you were like, well, here, you know, I'm going to hold hands and I'm going to make like walk in this direction as fast as or as slow as you want me to. And sometimes for some people, there is, you know, they have, especially if you're an entrepreneur, and I, and I experienced this when I stopped working as a salaried physician. There are stresses and there are, there are the kind of stresses, the kind of worries that you regularly don't have, and these can keep you awake. It changes the relationships that you might have with your family members because now you're suddenly, you know, your, your work becomes your life because you're building something. And managing sleep during that time became really, really important because, you know, I can clearly tell when I'm making right decisions or even the way that I'm like speaking to the CEO of my company, et cetera, like everything is affected by not getting enough sleep. And I work with people who live busy, complex lives. They're not going to go away. Justin, you've had the wisdom as well as the luxury that you've created for yourself to have off time, to be able to travel, to be able to relax. And often the people that I work with don't do that, right? So the, a general manager of a major league baseball team is going will say, there's no way I'm going to turn my phone off for the night because if the, somebody gets into a car accident, they're going to call me. Somebody gets arrested or something happens, they're going to call me. So then it's up to me to work with them to figure out if they could like have a team that works with them, delegate some of it so that, and yet be in charge. I mean, because it does, we sometimes do feel that the work we do is really, really important and it is important. And yet balance is how you can make it healthier for yourself and your family members. Yeah. I love having you on the show because I just think if people take, I mean, so many people take their health seriously and they'll cut out smoking or eating certain foods or whatever. But often people don't take their sleep as seriously. Mm -hmm. And if you can figure out a way to get a consistent eight hours of sleep, right. all the research shows that not only do you get more longevity, but you're just more high powered. You have more mental clarity. Cognition goes through the roof. I mean, just it's night and day with getting enough sleep and not getting enough sleep. Right. And no matter how good or bad of a sleeper you think you are, there are ways to solve for it. And so I'm excited to have you on the show because you have helped so many people. You've done it at the highest level with athletes that are most of us sit around and watch on TV to extreme athletes to very prominent business men and business women, entrepreneurs in general, but then even down to just those that have a corporate gig. And yeah. to some people, you know, I almost think I hear all the time, well, if I made more money, I wouldn't have any problems. That's not true. That's not true. Yeah. It is not true. You will have other problems. Now, it's better to have better quality problems. If you can have problems that aren't financially related, that's better. But just because you solve that, a lot of people are like, well, I don't sleep well because I don't make enough or whatever. Well, actually, that that's probably not it. And, and once you solve that, you probably still won't sleep well. So why don't we just work on the sleep? Yeah. Because great things can happen. And that can actually probably help you lead to a path that helps you earn more money, right? Yeah. yeah. Would you agree with like just agree. quality of life being enhanced by quality of sleep? For sure. So I want to circle back and act to, uh, to something you said, you know, like you're like what eight hours is what everybody needs. And so 
typically adults need between seven to nine hours and people are different. Like I may need 8.2 hours. You may need, you know, 7.9. So there is a slight variation. Figuring that out is important. And, you know, if you're solving for, if there's like there's resources that you have, there's time and there's health, every day is a good time to work on your health. Otherwise you've like, you run out of time. You really have to start working on your health now. And that's why I tell people that, that I understand that when, so the NFL season is going to begin in a month, I understand that you're not going to get enough sleep. Well, then let's try to fit sleep into your busy schedule as much as we possibly can so that you wake up well rested. So anything that you do that is related to your brain, which is so essential for us to make money, is a function of a well-rested brain, right? So anything you learn, so memory consolidation happens in your sleep. Creativity and innovation, again, something that happens when you're well-rested. Your judgment gets impaired if you don't get enough sleep, which is you need to be quick thinking. You need to be able to look at two, say, proposals and give it your level best and decide, well, A will be better than B, even though they both look or one of them looks better. And that sort of innovative thinking and weighing the risks versus benefits function of a well-rested brain. But also, I think that people forget that emotional intelligence, self-awareness, what things people consider as soft skills, but are absolutely vital for your relationships, for your, not just the relationship in your workforce, but also for your family members, the, how you can talk to your own children, how your, your spouses. I mean, that is a function of a well-rested brain. So again, it, you can get hold that ear in any direction. It always, it points to having, being well-rested allows you to show up and be optimal the next day. Yeah, there's no doubt. And then I think that because building a business and growing a business is stressful, being, if you're well-rested, it allows you to cope with that better. You know, you show up better because you are now well-rested. So that's another reason. And there's truth also around getting the right amount of sleep that's going to uh, have an impact. I mean, so you talked about like creativity and mm -hmm. and just durability and mm -hmm. cognitive clarity. But let's talk about like health, yep. even down to like chronic disease or mental health. Like this is a big component to kind of curing or moving disease or mental health in the right direction, right? Yes, absolutely. So I want to answer that in two parts because mental health deserves its own answer. But I tell people that when you're sleeping, it's a state of mind in which you're physically inactive and your brain is actually pretty active. But because you're physically inactive, rest and recovery happens. So every body organ and every physiological system recovers while you're sleeping. So it prepares you for the next day, your cardiovascular system. So we now know, for example, uh, you know, we know that your immune system needs, you need to be well rested for a, for a healthy immune system. You need to be well rested for an, a good metabolic control over your glucose. So your ability to take in nutrition, to utilize it effectively, to build muscle to prevent dementias or neurodegenerative diseases, to prevent heart disease. You need sleep for all of that. So every function of your body, you know, obesity is 
not getting enough sleep is a risk factor for get for getting obese. So all physical health and functioning are sleep dependent. But in addition to that, of course, we have this really ancient and bi-directional relationship between sleep and any sort of mental health issues. So we know that if you sleep poorly, that sets you up to develop depression, anxiety, substance abuse, etc. But then when people have depression and anxiety, they have not sleeping becomes an integral part of that. You want to treat that so that you can move forward. And so this is, we're living in a world today, Justin, where we want to destigmatize mental health issues. That's why you want to pay attention to that. So, I mean, you, you, want, you want at this point of the interview, Justin, to get me off this track because I can talk for hours. There is newer and newer research coming out. And there's never any research that says, oh, by the way, forget everything you've learned. This mental or physical health aspect is not affected by sleep. Never. You know, if it's it's not sleep duration, it's regularity. It's like there's always something that we knew that we had discovered. Well, while we're on the topic of it, I'd love to talk about any research linking better sleep and better mental health to increase longevity and just overall well-being. Like any info that you have there, I think could be powerful for well, our audience. So at the molecular level, DNA repair happens while you're sleeping. And that's what's linked to longevity. And again and again, what you want when we are thinking about living a long, healthy life, it really boils down to simple common sense things. It's really, it's eating healthy. It's getting enough and regular sleep. It's exercising on a regular basis and it's relationships. And it's, you know, having meaningful relationships and having meaningful work and connections that makes us happy and live longer, which prevents stress. And I have to tell you again, like it's in my mind that Venn diagram, it always comes down to sleep because if you are not slept well, you do not regulate your emotions. You don't manage relationships very well. You know, you have a tendency to self-isolate, etc. So it always comes down to that. And that's what you, you, you know, you want to do You want to do all the things and you want to do them on a regular basis. You want to try to stay on track. Well, and I think it's interesting because people always do these studies on like happiness and where the happiest countries in the world, where the happiest people in the world live. There's this whole, you know, blue zone where people live long and are happy and, you know, and, uh, you know, somewhere in Japan. But there are all these different zones around the world where it's almost like, oh, was there a fountain of youth there? And I wonder how much of this is actually sleep related, where people are in an environment where they sleep well, they sleep, you know, what their body needs, that that's a cultural norm. And they're not around a lot of like noise or even like electromagnetic pulses or whatever else it might be. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Just sleep with overall like happiness, wellness. And so I'll tell you that what the, most of the studies, and in fact, the longest study on happiness, what they found was that the most profound effect happens on connections and relationships. And to me, that a good relationships and good connections, good social connections the, on an individual level to know that you are accepted, that you are you belong to a person or a family or to a tribe, the fact that you feel that somebody else has your back, I think that means a lot. 
And actually, it's again intricately linked with sleep. You really can't separate sleep out without talking about all the mental strength or the things that happen and behaviors that that might be driven by them. So I, I'm a I'm a psychiatrist and a sleep medicine specialist, and I believe and know sleep is a behavior. And so anything that you do during the day, anything and everything you do during the day affects how you sleep at night. And then how you sleep at night affects everything that happens during the day. So it's really the true way to approach anything is always to do it holistically. Now, Justin, there's like, you're absolutely right. So there is, there is a role for physicians for treatments, say for cancer, or if somebody has a fracture, you definitely want to go to a doctor and get it. You, you want it to be evaluated and then you want it to be fixed. If you have a life, life-threatening illness, you want to go to the hospital and get it treated. But you want that to be a small percentage of the population. You want most of, for the lack of uh, healthcare dollars, to be spent on holistically helping people achieve a happier, healthier life. Yeah, there's no doubt. And by the way, something else I found pretty interesting is caffeine and the role that that plays. So, you know, there's so many people that drink coffee. And this is, by the way, if you drink it, great. If you don't drink it, great. But something to be aware of, uh, and you talked to me about this, is how long caffeine stays in your system. system. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear you share that because most people think, oh, I, you know, drink it at noon. I don't feel anything. It's worn off or I can drink it at night and no problem. I can still go to bed. That doesn't mean that you're actually getting great quality sleep. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on caffeine in the body. So this is how I would think of caffeine. And I, I love coffee in, in the morning. That's just that's something that's a ritual. I, I really like it. I like the taste of it. Caffeine takes about 15 to 20 minutes to take, kick in. But then its half-life is five to six hours. Now, there is some individual variation. So some people are fast metabolizers. Some are slower metabolizers. But it mean, Which means that it, if at 7 o'clock, I'll, I'll talk from my experience, that when before a 7 p.m. NBA game, if a player drinks a lot of caffeine, by the time 11 o'clock rolls around, half of it is still in their system. And then five hours later, a quarter of it is still in your system. So for many people, you know, sometimes when, you're, when we are figuring out why they're having difficulty falling asleep, it's easy to point to culprits that are right out there, which is, you know, how much caffeine they're drinking. What are they doing? You know, how much light exposure they're exposed to? Like, are they on their phones? If you're going to be answering emails and then put down your computer and say, I'm going to fall back asleep, that's not how sleep happens. You really have to allow for the right circumstances for, for you to fall asleep. The second thing is that if you drink caffeine on a regular basis, you develop a tolerance to it, which means that you need more and more for the same effect. And the third thing is that for people who say that, you know, I can drink an espresso and then still go to sleep. Well, it may just happen that you are able to fall asleep, but you don't reach the deeper stages of sleep. And because you don't reach the deeper stages of sleep, you wake up the next morning, you're still unrested. Well, what do you do? You reach for another cup of coffee. So it's it's a vicious cycle. And I think that even a simple exercise like what we did is in which you kind of monitor how much caffeine you're drinking. It kind of gives you a, an accurate idea of where you're at and whether you need to make changes to that or not. I typically will not tell people to stop caffeine or to do this, but I'm happy to stand right next to you while you figure it out and decide, you know, what's 
how and whether you should be drinking caffeine and, and when you should be drinking it. Yeah, I think that's great. And more than anything, I just want to, I want awareness around a bunch of things that can help people sleep. And and for me, I had a huge discovery when I got my Aura ring. And so I started, I, I'm an early investor in Aura. I invested in them back when they were a hundred million. I think they're at like 1.4, 1.5 billion now. Mm-hmm. And I've been using them and their data for years. And so prior to us ever meeting, Mm -hmm. that data was huge for me because I learned that if I ate within three hours of going to sleep, Mm -hmm. that my sleep was messed up, that my heart rate was elevated. I learned Mm -hmm. that if I drank alcohol, which I don't drink much, but I love a good glass of wine. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, a small pour, like a three ounce or six ounce pour and three ounces is like a really small serving. Mm -hmm. Even that size would mess up my sleep. My heart rate would stay elevated. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get into deep sleep. It Mm -hmm. really messed me up. Caffeine, I don't drink much caffeine. Periodically, I will. And I try to not ever have it past noon uh, if I am going to have it. But there have been extenuating circumstances. Maybe I'm traveling abroad and I'm trying to stay up to the next night after not sleeping well on the flight where I'll have some caffeine later and it really jacks with my sleep. So even whether I fall asleep or not, I'll look at my aura ring and I'll say, oh my goodness, my REM sleep was not good. My deep sleep was not good. My total hours of sleep, tossing and turning, elevated heart rate most of the night. Uh, Sometimes it will lower later. Sometimes it never lowers and it's just a really high heart rate. Like I've learned all these things And so I was able to put the habits in place and sleeping in a colder environment, all these things. So when you and I met, I at least had this baseline of healthy habits. And then you and I tweaked it a little more. But I just find it fascinating all the things that we can discover. And my sleep has never been better than it is today. Thanks to you. Thanks to O-Ring. Thanks to data. And so I'm just really thrilled to help others experience this. So what you described about caffeine of how you used it, like you don't use it on a regular basis, but there was this one day when you knew you didn't have enough sleep and you were in a different country. That's the right way to use caffeine, right? It gave you alertness. So you were able to go through your day. That's how you strategically use caffeine. I mean, there's... There are studies that show how you can strategically use how airline pilots or the armed forces use caffeine to strategically help them in performance when they've not had enough sleep the night before. Kudos to you. I think that's a great idea. But another way to think for your audience is to think that when you're about to fall asleep, don't think of sleep as just happening in your brain. It's not just that your brain everything slows down and you're falling asleep, but all your body systems are falling asleep. So if you eat a large meal really close to your bedtime, well, you're sending the signal, your stomach's like, hello, like, did you just send me another big task to do? So obviously you're not ready to fall asleep. You're going to have difficulty sleeping, right? If you, and now if the food was spicy or, you know, that would be another reason for you not to sleep because now you've added physical discomfort to it. If you drink Alcohol, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news because, uh, in fact, a lot of people, Justin, will drink alcohol because it helps them relax. And it does. Initially, alcohol does help you relax and it does help you kind of de stress from the day. It might even help you fall asleep easier. But then, as it gets metabolized, it fractures your sleep. And so you, you know, you don't get going to deep sleep, you don't get enough REM sleep, your heart rate is all over the place. 
Well, the overall result is you didn't get good sleep. Not to be recommended, but I jokingly tell people that apparently the best time to, to drink is either at late breakfast or early lunch, because then at least it's out of your system by the time you get. And hopefully that's what you were doing on your vacation. I love it. I actually joke with people that not only has this data shown me that I shouldn't drink as much. Yeah. And so I've totally cut down on how much I drink. It's that I've become a day drinker. So I always tell yeah. people, well, I don't drink in the evening anymore. I'm a day drinker. And because that there are less opportunities in the day than the evening to drink, I just drink way less right. overall, which I know is good for my body. Right, right. I listened to a, a Huberman podcast on alcohol here recently, and it was a two-hour podcast on all kinds of data around yeah. alcohol. And basically, I mean, even, even at a once-a-week cadence, yeah. the habitual nature of that and what it can do on your body. And it was really eye-opening. I mean, there, there's a really good argument to be made that alcohol likely, I mean, based on the research and everyone can do whatever they want. I'm not yeah. saying do this, do that. But based on his findings, his research, all kinds of peer reviewed stuff, uh, there's very little argument for having alcohol with regular basis. Right. And when having it, it makes most sense to have it infrequently. And then if you are having it to have it during the day. Well, that's what I would tell people, right? I mean, if you did everything correctly and you, if you had to spend three hours or four hours every day exercising and you had to like, you know, eat only like the healthiest food and you could not have a drop of alcohol and you could never eat a chocolate, I'm not sure that's exactly like the kind of life you want to lead. So that is why moderation is a good idea. It's good to, to have, you know, to have moderation, but I think it's even more important to address the issue on hand, which is like, is for me, if somebody comes to me and they're drinking like three glasses of wine, the question is not what is not like what's happening with the wine is why, what happened to you during the day that you feel the requirement to kind of decompress? And is this the only way you can decompress? I think building a better set of tools that allow people to de-stress or are a better or able to cope with their stresses. And I think that is a more effective way of dealing with that stress rather than those three or four glasses of wine, right? And I think yeah. that's where the focus should be. And of course, that kind of work takes time. And it's like, it's that's the right. kind of work that you have to, you sort of have to come along on that journey because somebody else has to commit to A, that I'm going to be first have self-awareness and then B, I'm going to commit to kind of working on it so that I can, this can get better. And it's going to take a while till we get it to be better. And I think that for a lot of people, they're on the go all along. Like the day is so busy, it's busily packed. They have no downtime. And then when they get to bed at night, that's the first time they get to relax and all these, these thoughts come crowding in. And now they can't fall asleep because their mind's racing. And so, and you know, or, or when they're sitting in front of TVs, they can't stop thinking. They're like, well, maybe one glass of wine helps them. And in like three months time, it's like four and a half glasses of wine or more. And that's the problem or that's the issue. This is powerful. How can you get relaxation? How can you decompress? But how can you do it in a healthy way? How can yeah. you set up proper sleep habits? And I just think that your work you do is, is changing so many lives and doing so many things for the better. And I want people to know about you. So where can people learn more about you, Mita? Well, so I, I do have a website. It's called mitasingmd.com. I am on Twitter. I'm on as of recently on threads, but on Instagram right. as well as LinkedIn. 
And yeah, and, and always happy to answer questions. Always happy to, especially if people have questions about their sleep or with mental health or mental strength. Well, I love it. I highly recommend you for anyone that wants to to learn what else can be done. I mean, the other thing that I think that's really cool is you'll analyze just some simple things at the beginning and you'll know right away, hey, you should probably get a sleep test or you probably don't need a sleep test. It's not severe enough. And so even early on, you can figure out some just from some data how deep of work someone's going to need. And I for anyone that's not sleeping well, a sleep test is probably one of the best things you can do anyway, just for yeah. clarity to learn what's going on. So right. I love what you're doing. Um, so excited to have you on the show. And, and I love leaving my show asking my audience one simple question. And that is this. So to anyone watching, anyone listening, what's one thing holding you back today from living the life that you desire on your terms? This could be financial freedom. This could be optimizing health. This could be sleep in today's case. But what did you learn today from this episode that you can implement in your life and really kind of take it to the next level? I would love to hear about it. Send me an email. We'd love to support you. And uh, thanks for tuning in here this week. We'll catch you next week as well. Justin, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for having me on on your platform. My pleasure. So great to share your story and share your work. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting, or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax, or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.